Romans chapter 12. That's right. Romans 12. So since the beginning of the year, we have been in a very broad series called what? Transformation, right? And a couple of weeks ago, I explained to you, well, why do, why do we always start since the beginning of January? Why do we always read Romans 12, 1 and 2? And I, I tried to share with you a couple of weeks ago, we do that because every aspect of our walk with the Lord ultimately comes back to transformation. Some call it sanctification. It's a lifelong process, right? God will continue to work in you and to me, the Bible says, until he completes it. And that doesn't ever stop. That doesn't ever stop. And, and it's interesting because I think sometimes in transformation, we tend to look at it kind of like school, maybe. You know, you graduate, you graduate, you go through, you graduate, and then you get promoted. And then you finish college or a degree or you get a real job and then somehow you just go into cruise control and you do what you need to do and then you go into retirement, right? And I think sometimes in our walk with the Lord, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we bring that paradigm into it and we say, okay, I got here, I've done this, I've done this. And then we just kind of go into cruise control until, you know, our time is is come to go with the Lord, or or sometimes we bring in the paradigm of a relationship. And if you remember back relationships you may have had, even maybe with your spouse, you remember when you first start were dating. Remember the dating, right? And in the days before all these social media and all that, when you actually had to call someone on a landline. How many of you remember landline days, right? And, and you had to call, and, and you, you, you consumed the phone. No one could get through, right? It was busy, right? Remember those days of the, the landlines? You talk for hours and hours, right, with the long cords, right, and all that kind of stuff. Remember when answering machines came out, <laughs> right? And, and then you date, you date, maybe you get engaged, and then you get married, right? And then if you're not careful, you get married, and you kind of go into what? Cruise control, right? And and maybe that that enthusiasm, that desire to to invest in the other person, the the presence and the gifts and the the serving and the yeah whatever, honey. What can I open your door? Can what can I get for you? Right? You get married and what happened, Scott? <laughs> right, right. Suddenly, say <laughs> hey, you used to open my door when we were dating. What happened? What happened, right? And, and, and we get comfortable and, and we don't invest in the relationship. We don't invest in each other. And we sort of just kind of go into like, oh, we're comfortable. I know you. You know me. You know, and, and, and we're not proactive in growing. And that can happen even in our walk with Jesus. We, we, we come to the Lord. We, we maybe have an initial, oh, this is awesome. Yes, yes. And, and everything's new. And then suddenly there's something happens and we just kind of slide into, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and we just kind of go into cruise control. And, you know, we've been, we've been on this for a year because one of the things that, that I hope you're getting is that this transformation, this desire for God to continue to work in our lives is a lifetime of joy. It's a good thing, amen? It's a good thing. It's a good thing that God wants to keep growing us and stretching us and transforming us. I hope that 
we've been in this long enough to where you catch, catch that it's a good thing. Okay, some people look at God as the cosmic killjoy. You know, God just wants to ruin your life, and it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He wants to put you in a box and take away all your friends and all your fun, and you can't do this and that. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Having a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus and being transformed all the way to your last breath on this planet, I think that's a pretty cool thing, amen? That's a pretty awesome privilege we have, but it's going to take some choices and some proactive decisions on our part. On our part, right? And so we've been reading these verses. Let's read them again. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you have them memorized, you can just read, say them out loud with us. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for our time of worship. And now, Lord, as we continue looking at transformation, I pray that You would speak to our hearts because ultimately it is a heart issue. Lord, ultimately it comes down to us trusting, us surrendering, us yielding to Your will. And so, Father... um, We know that can be challenging. So lovingly, truthfully, as only you can do, would you speak to each of our hearts? Transformation is such a wonderful privilege. And so, Lord, help us take the next step. Help us take the next step in our transformation with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I shared with you last Sunday that when we first moved to Ojai, we, we enrolled, actually my kids and myself, down in Oakview at the Tempo Studio, right, martial arts. And we would go down there and, you know, get the gis and all the belts and everything. And, and Mr. G, if you know Mr. G down in Oakview, um, was our instructor. And one of his favorite phrases to, to everyone in the class was, if getting a black belt was easy... Everybody would have one, right? And, and he would say that just to remind us, yeah, there's discipline, there's commitment, there's perseverance, there's disciplines in this, you know, this progression to getting a black belt. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not necessarily easy. And, and this transformation, this transformation that we're in, right, as good as it sounds, as wonderful as it sounds, if it was easy... Everyone would be walking on water, right? If it was easy, you'd be able to forgive that person. If it was easy, you wouldn't be worrying right now. If it was easy, you wouldn't be anxious. So why isn't it so easy, right? Why is it, why is it, what's this challenge with transformation, and we're going to look at that, and it started last week, and we're going to do a little bit of review, but we've we got to stay here because I think it's going to help some of you understand why you might be stuck. 
why you've been coming to church or you grew up in the church and and you hear transformation and you you applaud it you want it a quick survey how many want to be transformed how many see that is a good thing yes okay right it's a good thing kind of consensus survey says the tribe has spoken transformation good thing amen okay why is it so hard then if it's such a wonderful thing, why aren't we just giving everything up to Jesus? Okay? What? Okay, it has to do with your mind, right? So, so think about this. Think about this. Think about, because there's this huge disconnect. And I'm, I want to help you to understand the disconnect, because many of us in the church live in the disconnect. And we, we're kind of stuck. We don't know how to get out. It's like quicksand. Sometimes the more we struggle, the more we feel like we're, oh, oh, oh. Right? Even even coming to church. We read that song last week, you know, Stained Glass Masquerade by Casting Crowns and, and how in church everyone smiles and everyone looks good. And in the, in the song lyric, he called them plastic people. You know, are we all just plastic people? And we look around at the church and everybody's got it together. Everybody's smiling. How was your week? It was great, brother. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. And you're like, am I only one here that had a tough week? Am I the only one here who did some things I shouldn't have this week? Am I the only one here who's struggling and, and, and challenged right now, feeling like I'm in the desert. And if we're not careful, right, we, we kind of have these consequences of being stuck, being in this quicksand. And my desire this week and next week is to really help us understand what might be going on. What might be going on? Because we want transformation. Amen? We want to be more like Jesus. Amen? So why don't we just give it all up? Why don't we just open up the chest and say, it's all yours, God. My money, my time, my anger, my confusion, my struggle with forgiveness, my lust, my language. Lord, it's all yours. Just make me like Jesus. Why don't we do that? What's going on? Right? What, right? There's a lot going on. And, and, and really, turn to Matthew 27. Let's, let's begin to look at what might be going on in my heart and in your heart, that creates this, Matthew 22, right? That creates this sort of disconnect, this gap between, that sounds really good, but I'm stuck, right? Matthew 22, starting verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So let's look at verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with what? Okay. And with what? All your soul. And with what? So what's the word repeated three times there? All. All. 
See, transformation, we saw last Sunday, transformation is a life, lifetime, a lifelong process of surrendering and submitting all. All. And where you and I kind of can get stuck is when we've given up X amount, like we said, you know, nine, let's say 80, 90%, and he comes knocking and he says, Hey, Billy, I love you. You've been walking with me for a while. 80%, that's good. I know you want all, but right now maybe 80%. Hey, Billy, I need that 81. You're right? I need 81. And, and the title of the message last week and this week is, You want that too? You want that too? See, some of us, we, we, we got saved and we willingly, joyfully gave up some things. Seriously, I'm not, not downplaying you gave up past habits, unhealthy habits. You've changed how you handle your finances. Good things. You made some practical changes. But maybe you got right there. And you just kind of said, I'm good. Jesus, let's just call it good. Right? Let's go into cruise control. Let's just call it good. And all of a sudden, you're learning, wait, transformation, lifelong. Pastor says, you know, he works with people all the way till they're 80 and 90. And they're still being transformed. What? And, and if we're not careful, we, we kind of get called out on the truth that we bargained with Jesus. I'm going to give you 80. I'm going to give you 90. And I'm going to call it good. I'm going to call it good. And along he comes and goes, Mike, 91. You want that too? Oh, come on. Come on. You want that too? And that's where transformation becomes a choice. Transformation requires you and I to be willing to yield that 91. Now, the challenge is, for some of us who have grown up in the church and been in the church, 90 has gotten us really good. And we, we're real active in the church, and we serve, and we give, and we do read our Bible. We come Wednesday nights, all at 90. But God doesn't look at the appearance. He looks at what? The heart. In fact, Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life, right? So God says, hey, Mike. Awesome. Love what you're doing. You look great. But in your heart, I need the 91. Oh, you want that too? You want that too? Right? We saw in, in the version in the Phillips translation last, last week from Mark 8, Jesus says, hey, take up your cross and follow me. You know that? In the Phillips, he says, hey, if you want to come after me, you have to give up all right to yourself. Ooh. You have to give up all right to yourself. Why does that rub us the wrong way in our country? Because it's all about my rights. We are raised in this country. It's all about my rights. I have the right to do this. I have the right to do that. I have the right? I mean, right? <laughs> right? Even in this, in this season of the, the political nature, right? It's all about rights. Along comes Jesus and says, hey, you want to be my disciple? You want to be transformed? 
You have to give up all your rights. You want that too? You want that too? I'll give you Sunday morning. I'll give you Wednesday night. I might even go to Good Friday. But you want me to give up all rights to myself? Did he really mean it? Did he really mean it? Was it was it truth or was it a suggestion? It was truth. It was a command, right? It was. He said, "Count the cost on the front end. If you want to be a follower, if you want to be continuing in your transformation, you have to say, Lord, I give up all rights to myself.' And that's the disconnect. That's the struggle. This issue of surrendering all." transformation. Oh, that's awesome. I want that. I want to be more like Jesus. That's even why you're here. Many, that's why you're here. You leave here. God says, okay, man, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's make this real. Give me the 91. Oh, but I like the 91. I worked hard for the 91. The 91 where I'm secure and comfortable. I have a right to it. It's mine. Anyone ever say that to the Lord? It's mine. Well, if you're struggling with something without saying it's mine, you're saying it's mine. Because if it wasn't yours, you'd just give it up. You would just give it up. Right? So, so part of the disconnect is understanding that transformation is an issue of the heart. And an issue of the heart is an issue of surrender. Giving up all rights to yourself. So if you're struggling right now, what is it that you don't want to give up? What is it that you don't want to surrender? And I'm not talking just material things. I'm talking habits. I'm talking attitudes. I'm talking emotions. The disconnect between seeing transformation as an incredible supernatural thing that I want and where I am today, this disconnect, comes back to the heart. It's a heart issue. What? What don't you want to give up? And why don't you want to give it up? In fact, look in your notes. I gave you some. I mentioned this last week, but I thought it'd be good just to just to kind of go through some of these. What are some of the heart level challenges at the transformation level? Right? Fears. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of persecution. You can keep adding. Fear of ridicule. Fear of what people are going to think about me. Right? The familiar. Let go of the past. Venture outside your comfort zone. If you want to be transformed, some of you might be challenged to let go of the past. To venture out and do things that you have never done before. Right? Seriously. Out of your comfort zone. Like, I'm talking way out of your comfort zone. Now, if you've been with me at at community and here for six and a half years, you've seen me up here singing, and sometimes I used to play guitar, lead the worship here. You know how that all started? I never played guitar growing up. Never. I was a high school pastor down in Oceanside in the late 90s. And nice church. We didn't have worship. And I came from a church where we had worship, just singing and everything. And I'm like, Lord, I would love for these high schoolers to be able to worship together. We need, like, worship. He's like, why don't you do it? 
I had never sung publicly. I had never played guitar. And I'm like, what? Yeah, why don't you? Just see. Go. Buy. I went down to Guitar Center in Oceanside, bought my very first guitar, playing chords, and then I then oh, then it's time to sing. Never did that growing up. You want to talk about being put way out of your comfort zone. Way beyond. Like excruciating. But it was just all part of God transforming me, getting me out of my familiar, out of my comfort zone. That's why I always giggle because when my family comes up once in a while and they fill up these rows and everything, the first time they came up, I didn't tell them that I led worship and sang. It was hilarious. They're all sitting there and I came up to the mic and started singing. You should have seen their face. It's like they're, they're like dying, you know, because it's like, what is this? Who's this? When did, when did he learn to play guitar? He's singing into the mic? Way out. Way out. And so some of us, we're challenging transformation to maybe boldly go. Where what? Where no man has gone before. Right? How many of you like that from Star Trek? Right? How many? How many? Okay, how many would like that applied to you? Ooh! To boldly stay where I've always been. Right? We get inspired by that, right? Right? Space. The final frontier. Right? And we get all like, yeah, yeah, right? To boldly go where no man has gone before. Oh, wait, sounds like transformation. Sounds like transformation. Are you willing to boldly go where you've never gone before? Hmm? Come on now. How many of you said transformation was a good thing? Oh, not so many hands. <laughs> I knew he set me up. Right? Five minutes ago, yeah, transformation. I want that. I want that. Boldly go where? Boldly go where? You want me to do what? I've never done that before. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? She's not done. She's not done. Boldly go where you've never gone before. Are you willing? Are you willing? All right. That's part of the challenge. Fixed opinions are failures and faults. I'm sorry. Some of us are challenged to no longer focus on our past failures or look beyond our perceived limitations. Ah, you know, I've never been able to. I can't. I've blown it so many times. Are you willing to let that go? Are you willing to let that go? Fixed opinions. Acknowledge and admit that our views may not be correct in light of biblical truth. Willingness to correct our beliefs in line with Scripture. Woo! All right? I love Peter. Peter's a wonderful example. Peter was pretty headstrong. Peter was pretty opinionated, right? You remember when Jesus says, hey, boys, uh, by the way, we're going to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, I'll be killed. They're going to bury me. But I'm going to rise from the third, on the third day, right? And what does Peter say? Come here, Jesus. Not so, Lord. And he begins to rebuke Jesus. Why? Because Peter was pretty opinionated. And Peter thought his opinion was greater than Jesus. Truth. And so, here, you know, here's, 
Here's a tough one. Some of us, are you willing to admit that some of your opinions, some of your beliefs even, might not be completely accurate? This has come up even um, when Bill was teaching on heaven and hell. And someone would raise their hand and go, oh my gosh, I heard years and years ago that. And for 10, 20 years, they heard something that they believed was true and it wasn't even biblical. Are you and I willing to admit, acknowledge that, you know what? Ah, I might be wrong. Or not completely right. And then the question becomes, if Scripture says this and your opinion says this, who wins? Careful. Who should win? Okay. The authority, right? So are you willing, if you were shown, if it was shown biblically that what you hold, your opinion, your worldview is not true to Scripture, would you be willing to change your view? Who wins in that case? Your opinion or Scripture? That might be one of the reasons there's a disconnect. That might be one of the reasons there's a disconnect because you don't think that's right. And in your opinion, and I think, and I think, and I think, well, let's look at what the Bible says. And if there's a problem, if there's a conflict, we believe here that this is the inerrant, authoritative Word of God. So this is our this is our foundation right here. So part of the transformation process is to do this, guys. I yield. I surrender that opinion. I surrender that attitude. I surrender that worldview. Because I got to line it up with yours. I got to line it up with yours. Okay? Fun. Acknowledge that we are living for ourselves, enjoying life apart from God, pleasure seeking. Yeah! Some of us, we get challenged in the transformation because life is good. And I'm just kind of doing my thing, and I'm happy, and I got friends, and I got a good job, and I'm comfortable, and just following Jesus, that sounds really good, but right now, I'm just kind of having fun. I, I'm kind of living for myself. I, I gotta, all I got to worry about is me, myself, and I. And so, I'm kind of having fun right now, Jesus. And this whole giving up my right to myself, eh, maybe when I get around to it. Right? So some of us might be challenged with that. How about this last one? Figuring it out. Some of us are challenged with no longer leaning on our own understanding or self-reliance. How many of you, when you're confronted with a problem, the first thing you do is go, i got to figure this out. i got to figure this out. You go right into figuring mode. Well, let's figure this out. Okay. Here's the problem. i got to figure this out. i got to figure this out. Some of us in transformation... We gotta, we gotta stop being so self-reliant. In fact, what's it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. See, some of us are stuck in transformation. There's a disconnect because whenever there's something that comes up in our life, we go right to us to figure it out. And then when we finally come to the end of ourselves, what do we do? Then we come out. Then we say, oh, okay, Lord, hey, can you help me? I know I've been working on this for nine months. 
trying to figure it. No. Some of us, the disconnect is because we're still very self-reliant. We're still trying to figure it out on our own, in our own strength, in our own understanding. Right? I love this quote. I put it on the front of your bulletin. It's also there. If we look carefully into ourselves, we should find some secret place where we hide what we think we are not obliged to sacrifice to God. And this is this is honestly why it was really hard for me to kind of know how fast to move today and last week and even next week. Because this is real life rubber meets the road walk with Jesus. Is there an area in your life, in my life, where we're hiding something from God? Now the crazy thing is, is anything hidden from God's sight? He already knows it. He sees it. He sees it. But we feel in our flesh, in our sin nature, we feel like we're hiding it. And, and it's mine. It's my right to have this. Right? And so at the, at the core, this is where we got to wrestle with this, guys. This is where if you really want transformation, remember I told you if it was easy, everyone would be walking on water. If you really want transformation, you're going to have to spend some time with, with, with the Lord and wrestle with these issues that are yours. It's not that you don't love the Lord. It's not that you don't want to grow. It's not that you don't come here faithfully. It's none of that. It's like, it's more like, hey, I want to transformation, transform you. I love you so much, Scott, that that, 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 that chest you have of your stuff, Scott, I, I, I love you so much and I want to transform you. I need you, I need you to, we're going to start working on surrendering that. What's in your chest? What, what, what is it that absolutely terrifies you to give up? That you, right now, if I said, hey, this is what Scripture says, you say, I can't do that. That's not possible. Okay, so that's your opinion. So, See, it's not, that, it's not necessarily the issue. It's, it's us. What you might have to give up is you. Your opinion, your fear, your figuring it out, your whatever. It's, it's, it's us. Right? There's that quote, we have met the enemy and he, it is us. Our challenge, our biggest challenge, there is a devil, there is spiritual warfare, but here's the deal. If you want to be challenged to be transformed, it's going to come down to a heart issue of you surrendering you. Now, I just put a few lists here, you know, there's more than this, but I wanted to get you some idea this week to have something to really be honest with the Lord about. Lord, is it my fears? Is it the familiar? Is it my failures? Is it my opinion? Is it that I'm having fun? Is it I'm trying to... I just put those out there to just get your mind and your heart going, to have some honest conversation with God about why you might be in quicksand, why you feel like you're stuck, why you feel you're in neutral, Right? Because it is scary and it might be a little bit embarrassing. I talked about the guitar. You know, you step out in faith. The first time it came down, okay, I practiced. And then it came time to actually play and sing in front of people. Oh, my gosh. You want to, right, Robert? You know about that. You want to talk about fear and trepidation. Yeah. I know what that's like. 
But it could be a sense of adventure, too. I remember back in the day when I got my driver's license. How many of you, when you got your driver's license, you didn't have to wait a year to get your friends in the car? You got your driver's license and you went and rounded them all up, right? Well, I got my driver's license and my friends, my buddies knew that I always wanted to drive stick, but none of our cars at home were stick. So I got my driver's license and one day my boys show up and they say, come on. I'm like, where are we going? Just get in. And, and it's my friend who has a stick shift. I'm like, where are we going? Oh, we'll show you. We go and we park somewhere and they're like, you're driving stick. <laughs> Never drove stick, ever. Car full of my buddies. Come on, man. Let's do this. Oh, my gosh. I still remember the roar, you know, or the, the classic. My buddies threw me in the car, parked somewhere, put me in the driver's seat. Do it. This is how you do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, they're dying in the back seat as they're getting tossed around. Whiplash. Laughing. But you know what? Because of them, I learned how to drive stick. As crazy and as embarrassing as it was, I had some buddies who knew I wanted to drive stick and knew if I thought about it too long, I would never do it because I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to lose face. I was probably going to do it on my own and then show up knowing how to drive stick. They're like, no, 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 no. Come here. You're driving. That's kind of what it is with the Lord, guys. Sometimes you, you, some of you, some of you want to break out. I, I see it. Some of you want freedom in Christ. Some of you, during worship, oh, oh, there go my hands. Oh, 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 what are you, oh, hand, what are you doing? Some of you just want to break free in Christ. Freedom, amen? Some of you need brothers and sisters around you say, come here. You're driving. Because they love you, amen? Because there's no condemnation. Because there's no guilt. It's like, come on, we're all in this together. Everyone say, we're all in this together. I always tell you, right? Uh, there's a wonderful thing. If you find the perfect church, don't join it. Why? Because you'll mess it up. Nobody in here has it all together. Amen? Find a pers- Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm just a work in progress. Go ahead. Just turn to the person next to you. I'm just a work in progress. Right? Turn, turn, turn the person and tell them, God's not finished with me yet. Go ahead. Tell them, God's not finished with you yet. Right? That's freedom, guys. Amen? Okay, look. We don't want Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship to be filled with plastic people. Because that vibe goes out. I would rather have us, like I shared last let's just be authentic. Let's be real. The Bible says we're to encourage one another. Remember, lovingly irritate. Smile. Turn to the person next to you and say, lovingly irritate. Go ahead. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Right? We're to lovingly irritate. To what? Transformation. Amen? Let's have freedom in this church. As brothers and sisters, to love one another towards Christ. Amen? Amen? Because we don't have it all together. That's the glorious truth. 
But we also know when Jesus works on our heart, oh my gosh, it's tough, man. It's just tough. And there's no quick fix. No quick fix. When you open your heart to the Lord and you begin to be honest and real and transparent, you know what happens? It gets real, real quick. And then, and then, you realize, oh, this does take some time, doesn't it? Healing. Healing. Working through stuff. Letting stuff go. It's a process. The question is, do you want to engage in that process? Do you want to enter that process? Not just with God, but with that person sitting next to you or around you. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Amen? That's why we're called the body of Christ, guys. Because He wants to work on all of our hearts. Right now, in this room, He desires... Here's the crazy thing about God. He can work on all of our hearts and is all simultaneously. Right now. And then He places you in a church, in a body of Christ, with people who love you and care about you and want to help you in that process. Isn't that cool? That's what He's about. It's a heart level thing, right? Look on your notes. There's some consequences of being stuck. Okay? If you just say, no, I don't want that. Here's some possible consequences. Maybe it'll help you identify where you're at too. Discouragement. You lose hope or confidence in ever changing or any, or situations change. Despair. No longer have any hope or belief that a situation will improve or change. Denial. In psychology, denial is a condition in which someone will not admit that something is sad, painful, true or real. Duplicity. Big word. What is duplicity? Dishonest behavior that is meant to trick someone. See, in many ways, that's the church. That's the plastic people. We disguise. We put up the front. Everything's good. Everything's this. How you doing? How you doing? Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. But it's all meant to fool everybody on a Sunday for an hour and a half. And then we go back and we remain unchanged and we still struggle. So if we're not careful, a consequence is, is, is become hypocritical, right? We wear masks, right? Discord. We're out of harmony. Doubt. Disobedience. Distance and disengagement from God and the church. So here's the thing. If we don't deal with the heart level issues, we can have these consequences. And ultimately, here's the thing that pains me the most. When someone is unwilling to, to, to even just open their heart and let God speak truth, here's what happens, guys. They become numb and hardened to God. And then they become numb and hardened and, and numb and hardened to the church. And they disengage. They disengage from hearing God speak to them. They disengage from brothers and sisters. And then they just become an island. They just become an island. And it was all maybe rooted in this heart issue that God wanted to deal with. That's what pains me. That, that's what like gets my heart. I'm like, oh, come on, please, just open your heart. See, here's the thing. And I've shared this with people over years and years. When we, when, when we come and we talk, 
and we identify heart issues that God's working on, okay? You know what I share, what I share with them? <sighs> you know what? That door is locked from the inside. That door is locked from the inside. And what I mean by this when I share this with them is, look, as a pastor, I will share biblical truth. As a pastor, I will pray with you. As a pastor, I can help counsel and, and identify these issues. But you choosing to confess, to go to God, to be open and real, I can't force you to do that. That door is locked from the inside. You have to open that door. And that's the challenge in ministry because I love you and I want God's best for you and and we're not here to ruin your lives. We just want you to love Jesus and be transformed. And yet I preach and we, we, we invest our whole lives into all of you. Knowing in the back of our mind that we can't force you to do anything. We're not an enforcing agency here. We love you. We'll speak the truth in love. But we can only bring you to a certain point, and then I got to release you to God. Just so you know. I'm not going to hound you. I'm not going to play your Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak the truth in love. And then I'm going to pray like the Dickens that you will open that door from the inside and take that step towards Jesus that only you can take. That's, that's our goal here. That's our purpose. That's, that's why I do this. It's to preach God's Word in the back of my mind knowing we're not an enforcing agency here. We're not going to guilt you into anything. We're going to be heavy-handed. We're going to speak the truth in love. And we're going to pray that you would open your heart to God and His Word. Amen? That's what we do. That's what we do. That's one of the challenges of of what I do is because I can't force you. I want you to love God. Because I believe with all my heart, He loves you. I believe with all my heart, He has a plan and a purpose for your life. I believe with all my heart, He wants to transform you. And I have seen transformation in many of you in six and a half years together. Literal transformation. Right, Brenda? Literal transformation. I could celebrate. I could celebrate. I love it. I think about you when I'm praying and I go down the road because you all sit in the same place. I'm like, okay. That's how I pray for you when I go on bike rides or I'm on a drive or anything. I just, I just kind of, in my mind, I just go row by row. That's how I pray for you. Yeah, because 90% of you sit in the same place. So I, I just do this in my head. I go like this through the, through the rows. And I celebrate what God is doing in your life. I celebrate it. I rejoice. See, you might forget where you were six years ago. I don't. I remember many of you, your first days. Ah, I celebrate that. And I rejoice that many of you have opened those doors. You've opened the doors and you continue to open those doors, right? What do we do? Okay. What do we do? Turn to Hebrews 4. We're going to continue this next week. But I I want to give you a, a help. A very practical help. Hebrews 4. Now. In 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, we have learned this year that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? We have all the resources. 
God's Word, the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ, who's given a new nature. Hebrews 4, we started looking at it last week. Hebrews 4, right? 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. What's going on here? There are believers, okay, the audience in Hebrews, there are believers who are being persecuted. And they're going through struggles to the point where they are tempted to go back to the Old Testament way of doing things. That's what's going on. That's who he's writing to. That's why he says, hold firmly to the faith we profess. He's like, hey, I know you're going through it. I know you're going through it, but hang in there. Hang in there, okay? He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Who is he talking about? Jesus. We have been given a great high priest named Jesus. Right? And here's the great thing. Look at this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Here's what this means. Hey, you going through something today? How many of you are going through something? My hand's with you. Okay. According to that verse, Jesus gets it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Jesus understands everything we go through. He gets it. He truly does understand. Sometimes, if my wife is going through an issue and she needs to share it with me, you know, I'm listening. I'm doing my best. And I'm listening. And as much as I want to listen and be compassionate and sympathetic, there's a point where I just, because I'm not walking in her, I don't get it. I can't get it beyond a certain point. Amen? Right? And vice versa. When I'm sharing with her and I'm trying to pour out my heart and she's like, honey, I get it. Go talk to Tyler. You know? (laughs) Because if it's ministry related, Tyler will get it a little bit more. You see what I'm saying? The radical thing is Jesus gets all of it. Jesus gets all of it. And here's here's the crazy thing. Let me let me give you an illustration. Scott, let me use you for that. When you talk about this temptation, Jesus understands our temptation, right? So let's say from from this microphone, go behind this microphone. That's a starting line, and that wall is like the full power of this temptation, right? So Scott's being tempted by something. Don't tell me what. Okay. <laughs> so Scott Scott's been walking with the Lord for a bit, walking for, and he's doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Right, and here's the continuum from a little bit of temptation to max temptation, right? And right about here, Scott blows it. Again. Right? What that verse is saying when it says here, it says, we have, who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. Here's the thing. How many have ever been tempted so badly that you thought, I had to do it? I had to give in. Okay, you know that's not biblical, right? Because 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except such as common to man, and God will always provide a way out, right? Right? So we, Scott, get to this place. Oh, I had to do it. It's so big. The temptation is so great. Who can know how tempted I am? This is his stopping point right here, right? Jesus went all the way over here to max temptation. So he really knows 
how great temptation can be. Amen? You get what I'm saying? Jesus felt the full power of that temptation and didn't give in. So when Scott's over there thinking, nobody understands how big this is, who really does understand how big it is? Does that make sense? I share that with you for when you're going through something and you're wondering, does anybody get this? Does anybody really know how angry I am? Does anyone really know how anxious I am? Does anyone really know how scared I am? Who does? Jesus. Because he was over there. He experienced it all yet without sin. That's a great comfort. That is a wonderful comfort. Why? Because most of us are stuck in this disconnect in the quicksand because we're still relying on ourselves. It still comes down to me. Right? And then let's go to that last verse. It says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's what we're doing. If you're stuck, if you're struggling with a heart issue, if you realize, man, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. I understand now. I understand why I kind of feel blah and kind of discouraged and kind of bummed out. What do I do? Approach the throne of grace with confidence. Is that theory? Is that just theory? Is that just a nice cliche? Hey, approach the throne of grace. Okay, brother. I love, I love Mike. Mike, raise your hand and say how. Okay. Right? What does that mean? How do you do that? Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. How? How do I... Okay, sounds good. Come on, Pastor, tell me how. Okay, next Sunday we'll tell you. Nah, just kidding. (laughs) How? Okay, let's walk through it. Approach, that means draw near. Daily, continuously. We have to have a constant recognition of our dependence on the Lord. We flip that and we tend to go to God's throne just when we need something. We have to understand that it says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. When are we in need? All the time. First step to approaching the throne of grace, acknowledge that you are in need 24-7, 365. Come to the throne of grace all the time, continually, daily, right? So that's what that means. Draw near daily, continuously, not just when a big thing happens. Recognize your need and dependence in everything. That's huge. That's huge. And it says here, approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. How many ever got the notice to go to the principal's office in school? How many approached the principal's office with confidence? How many approached the principal's office with, roll, roll, Reggie. Hope mom doesn't find out. Hope dad doesn't find out. Right? Right? Sometimes, here's another thing. How? We have to change how we view the throne of God. Because here it's called the throne of grace. Amen? 
So you said, Pastor, we're supposed to approach it continually, all the time. But what happens if you see the throne of grace as the big principal's office? Are you going to want to go there all the time? Oh, no. Oh, no. How many of you still see God as waiting to smite you with a lightning bolt? Just you messed up. Jordan, just you messed up one more time. Boom! Right? So this verse says, approach the throne of grace with confidence. Do you? What that means is boldly. That word confidence, here's the great thing, speak frankly. Let her rip. Speak openly. Pour out your heart. Tell God exactly how you're feeling. Do you do that? Do you have that view of God's grace and love for you that you can come to Him all the time and just be open and frank and honest and truthful with what's going on in your heart? Are you there? Because if you're not there, there's already a wall between you and Him. And then there's a wall between you and others. Because if you can't open up to God, how are you going to open up this way? See, how do you approach the throne of grace with confidence? You understand grace. No one here deserves it. Amen? None of us deserve it. But grace, it's unmerited favor. So when you come to the throne of grace daily with confidence, with the ability to speak, I don't, hey God, okay, I messed up again. God, I know I was here yesterday, but I did it again. God, I know you say not to worry, but I am worried. God, you know, be not anxious. God, I am twisted in knots. God, you know, you say forgive as the Lord forgave me. God, there is no way I can forgive her. Do you have that relationship with God? Are you that open, that frank, that bold? See, that's the how. You've got to be so secure in His love for you and His grace and His patience and His understanding that you can come to Him 24-7, 365 and just be real. For some, that's going to be the thing that starts to move you again. If you're scared, tell God you're scared. If you're worried, just tell Him you're worried. If you're being tempted... Tell God you're being tempted. And you know what might happen? As you're real with God in these areas, you might end up calling a brother or sister and say, Hey, I'm being tempted. As you're real with God in these areas about your fears and your worries and your anxieties, he might say, Hey, call so-and-so. Hey, Brenda, hey, can you pray with me? I'm really scared right now. See, a lot of us as believers... We're isolated. We're so scared of going to God with the reality of life that we're so scared to turn to each other. And so we just stay in this sort of limbo land, stuck. And we're always kind of bummed. Bummed about where I don't measure up, bummed that we think God's mad at me again. 
bummed that, you know, I blew it again. Bummed that I'm not like so-and-so. It's so weird. When you get stuck and all you do is rehearse how bad you are, I mean, it's like Ojai Valley Christian bummed fellowship. You know what I mean? Is that what we are? It's like, hey, come on Sunday and be around a bunch of people that are just bummed. Is that what we're about? Come on now. Is that really what you want? Hey, come to my church. Yeah, really? What's it like? Well, we just sit around and we talk about how bummed we are. We talk about where we're falling short and how mad God must be. And, you know, we, we just com- and we compare ourselves to how we're not like so-and-so. But come! Is that really what God intended for his church? To be a bunch of believers that get together and just... It's okay, Ernie. You're not as bad as Mike. Mike, you're not as bad as Scott. Olivia, you're way better than Wes. You know, I mean, it's like... Are we just about comparing each other? And then feeling sort of bombed and go have coffee and donuts and go, man, good coffee and donuts, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Is that what we're about? No, 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 no. Please. Transformation is wonderful. Amen? Transformation is glorious. It's supernatural. But it's also begins with the heart. It's a heart issue, guys. It's an issue of surrender. It's an issue of submission. How do you do this? Great question, Mike. How do you do it? Daily, you admit your need and you come to the throne of grace, undeserved, none of us deserve it, and you pour out your heart. Pour it out, guys. And here's the thing. Stay there. Don't one-off it. Stay there on your knees, on your face, wherever you pray. Just pour out your heart to God. And when you're done pouring out your heart, don't get up right away. Sit there. And you might just experience God through His Holy Spirit bringing a verse. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't worry. Your Father in Heaven knows that you need these things. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Right? Pour out your heart and sit there in just authentic transparency and the Holy Spirit may just speak to you some incredible truths just for you on that day. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to remain stuck. That we have a very real and practical avenue and step that we can take when we leave here, and that is to go to the throne of grace with confidence. And so we're going to have an opportunity. Eileen, you can put the screen down. We're going to have an opportunity just this morning for you to go to the throne of grace. To be real, to be authentic, to be genuine, to be frank and open with your Heavenly Father. It's not just theory. It's very real. None of us deserve it. It is undeserved. It is grace. And yet He says, come. Come to the throne. Come to the throne. Come to the throne. Tell me what is on your heart. Scott and Susan are going to sing a wonderful song called Before the Throne of God. And as they sing, I encourage you, go to the throne of grace and maybe for the first time, be real and authentic and frank with your Heavenly Father. 
about where you are in your relationship. So, word of encouragement as we leave. Very practical. It's a heart level issue. I encourage you this week, don't be in a hurry to, to just move on. Look at those notes. Ask God, God, show me my heart. Show me where I'm struggling and why. And then, in a very practical way, right, Mike, the how, go to the throne of grace. All the time. Every five minutes if you have to. Every minute. I'm back. Oh, good. Come on in. I'm back. Oh, good. Come. There is no now serving number. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to get in line. You can come, and he's always happy to see you. Isn't that radical? So, when you go to the throne, I want you to picture this. Going to the throne of grace, Heavenly Father has a smile. Good to see you again. How long has it been? Oh, 30 seconds. Good, though. Good. Welcome back. What's up? What's going on? Amen? Isn't that radical? You can't exhaust him. He never gets tired of seeing you. Isn't that awesome? And here's the glorious truth. We have that privilege all the way until we go home. Amen? So that's a glorious hope and confidence. Okay? We, we got the, all that we need for life and godliness, but we know heaven is our home. Amen? And we're going to sing a song, wonderful traditional song, when we all get to heaven. And as we stand up, stand up and sing this and say, hey, I'm going to help you get there. Turn to the person next to you. We're, I'm here for you. Turn them. I'm here for you. I'm here for you.